Ladies and gentlemen and Freedom Fridays all over the world, you are listening to A Difference in Thought. I am your host, Charlie Wright, and here at A Difference in Thought, A Difference in Thought engages and processes current events, culture, philosophy, public policy, and faith through the ancient art of truth-telling. Join the conversation and gain an alternative perspective with A Difference in Thought. This podcast is in honor and homage of the work and mission of the great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., And our core philosophy here is basic arithmetic teaches us that there can be no difference without subtraction. So before stating where you'd like to see a difference in the world, first consider where you are willing to take a subtraction. And you are in for a treat today because you are listening to season three, episode two called One Casino or One Colony, the Revenue versus Allocation Conundrum. Mm. Now it's been a while. And if you're like me, uh, you're probably getting uh, lots of mail with color purple on it and talking about one casino and how this is going to be (laughs) the last black hope for Richmond. Uh, You know, I've 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 had my I've had quite enough uh, input around. Uh, this whole casino thing. And what I want to do today is I want to give you a different perspective and some different context by which to view the view the um, casino. Right. Uh, and one of the things that I want to talk about is who is this designed to benefit? OK, now, I think there is an assumption that because it's in Southside, it's going to benefit Southside automatically off rip uh and these things about revenue and things about allocation and so if you listen to the podcast you know one of the things we talk about is the habits of empire right and part of the habits of empire is uh extraction and exploitation and i want to i want to i want to go to the the words of dr king here um who had who had a lot to say about economic exploitation all right So this is what Dr. King said. He said, we have deluded ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of the ethic of hard work and sacrifices. Capitalism was built on the exploitation of black slaves and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor, both black and white, both here and abroad. The problem of racism, the problem of exploitation and the problem of war all tied together. These are the triple evils that are interrelated. Many white Americans, and I'll add even black Americans, of goodwill have never connected bigotry with economic exploitation. They have deplored prejudice, but tolerated or ignored economic injustice and economic exploitation. Okay, so when we think about economic exploitation and we think about how do we tell in the, the characteristics and habits of empire, the habits of colony? One of the ones about economic exploitation, and we'll hear from some OGs in the in the movement on some clips that are an interesting clip I want to share with you all. One of the things that I say that is if the except if the if there's if the excitement around wealth generation and revenue generation does not match the energy about wealth allocation, there's a very good chance you have a colony. Okay, I'll say it again. If the, exce- if the excitement around wealth generation and revenue generation does not match the energy around wealth allocation, you typically have a colony. 
okay? So let me break it down like this. Now, let's think about it a little bit differently, okay, so that we can we can open our minds. Because the, the point of a difference in thought is I want you to think differently about the, this issue, okay? Because truth be told, I can think the way that I think, but I'm one vote. And typically what's going to happen at the casino at this point, it's going to be a referendum. You can vote on it. And what's going to happen with this casino or not really depends on what you guys think about it. So I want to, again, let's give a good old example. Let's let's go to our African roots a little bit and let's talk about the Susu uh, economy, right? Where, where people pull, where you have different people from different groups. So let's just say we have nine people, okay? We have nine different people and each of these nine people pool their money together. And when there's a time of need and there's something that people might need, if people want to start a business, you know, someone may draw from that pot, right, in order to do what they need to do. And then when they generate more things, they, they, they put it back into it so that person number four, person number six, or person number nine might be able to do that, right? So 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 the, the revenue that might generate from person one through nine, as long as it can be allocated to another person to help for, then that's a that's a mutually beneficial um, thing versus a tool of extraction. But let's say, let's say that people's one through seven, you know, whenever they have an idea, whenever they have a need, they need something, they can always make an extraction from the fund, right? Things, oh man, I, you know, something came up. I got, I got to, you know, I lost my job or my car broke down. Let me go ahead and, and, and take this out and they're able to do it. But what happens if eight and nine, uh, you know, they're putting money in as well, but when they need something, they're not able to get it out, right? They're not able to um, uh, uh, get it to, 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 to meet all the needs that they might have, even though they're giving their all of their money into the same pot. At that point, eight and nine aren't really seeing, experiencing economic support and economic uplift by participating in this. They're participating in exploitation, Right. So let's say that instead of uh, 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 alleviating what eight and nines uh, lack of access to the public money is that, again, differently, one through seven says, hey, man, you know, there's this there's this opportunity um, where you can really get your money up and you won't even you won't even really need the susu like that. Right. Uh, and so they 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 say that you you know there's this opportunity you know it's a little bit risky but if you can you can do it this will be this will be more revenue for the for the pot for the susu as a whole right so they say yeah you know um, and so you start asking questions and say oh well thanks for this thanks for this opportunity I'm just curious uh did anybody else want this like oh well we heard about the opportunity and we we didn't want it we didn't think it'd be a great fit. But we think it can generate a lot of good for, you know, uh, the, the Susu as a whole. And so we think that eight and nine, y'all should, y'all should really, you know, let it, let it, let it take place and, 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 and have the cost for that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, whatever it generates, it'll go into the Susu and you'll be good. Now, if you're eight and nine and you're smart, you're thinking, well, why would I take all this risk to, to, to do this project that none of y'all wanted? It's going to have some risk for me, for me to give more money into this susu that already doesn't prioritize me, right? Why don't, why don't I say, well, if y'all don't want the opportunity, why don't I just go ahead and make a deal 
between this risky operation and myself and then i can have the revenue for that that i want and then whatever is excess of what i don't need then i can give into the susu because y'all don't really give it to me anyway right because the the what eight and nine understand is the 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 fatal assumption is that revenue into the susu equates to an allocation of money to the needs of eight and nine, right? So it wouldn't be wise for person eight and nine, given the history of people one through seven of not prioritizing their needs because just because I'm giving more money to people that, <laughs> that are very hesitant in giving it to me or have a history of giving it more to other people than to me, that's a revenue generation I shouldn't be excited about because, again, why? If the excitement about wealth generation and revenue generation doesn't match the energy around wealth allocation, then you are operating in a colony, right? And so this is the question that we're having today. All these purple flyers talking about revenue this and, and, and all these other types of things, right? The question is, are we dealing with one casino or are we dealing with one colony? Meaning, what in this deal means the revenue that's generated out of the susu of our city, right? When we think about nine districts in our city and when certain parts of the district want their money or Scott's edition wants their money, they get their money. But when it rains, it floods in eight and nine and it's bright and sunny and dry in other parts of the city. And if this has been the demonstrated and tested, which I'll tell you about some tests I did, just, just so you know I'm not talking out the side of my mouth, um, that the 8th and 9th is already fundamentally unprioritized, is uh, uh, prioritized lower than other parts of the city. So revenue generation for the city does not equate to automatic allocation to address the needs of the eighth and the ninth, right? So how do we how do we how do we know about this, right? And and it doesn't matter how many black people are behind it because exploitation is exploitation, no matter what the shade is, no matter who's doing it, right? And so then we have to think about a little bit and get into the class structure of this, right? Is that when you have rich elite black people pushing something and saying, oh, because I'm black, this means uplift and this means allocation for the poor black people who are exploited by the city, who are underprioritized by the city, and that's a false equivalence, right? And so when we talk about uh, exploitation, as Dr. King says, capitalism being built on the exploitation of the poor, Right. When we think of casinos, which are extractive industries, which is rigged gaming, which means you have algorithms and machines that say that however many people got to lose before one person can win. And then when that's a digital machine and which we've seen in in uh, Australia, uh, uh, people rolling things off of the floor before the algorithm payout, then it's, it's an extractive industry that that isn't, you know, your rat pack you know, table games and things such as that, even though there are some ways that people can flip that too, that these are, these, 
people have to lose in order for other people to win. And if you're a part of the city where you've had to take L's so that Scott's addition and all the other white affluent parts of towns can have wins, should you be satisfied with just hearing that more revenue is coming or are there ways that you could fight and should fight to make sure that revenue actually equals allocation for what you need since you are taking the risk and taking the project that nobody else in the city wanted. Things such as community benefits agreements, you know, all things that can be uh, uh, argue, that, that can be done and can be obtained for how these things are going, okay? So I want people to think a little bit differently about this, right? I know there are people that I know that I love and respect that wanna see a casino, I'm not I'm not here to, to disrespect and, and stomp on them uh, also because they, they don't take it to the extreme of acting like the casino was the Civil Rights Act of 2021. <laughs> but but I want people to think differently about this is being pitched as some, as the savior to Southside. Right. You, you, you had uh, you've had matter of fact, I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to play a clip of a meeting that I was in. It's a it's a public city council meeting. Right. A meeting where. um as I strongly encourage my brother, Councilman, Councilman Jones, that while all these people suddenly have this energy for Southside, right, that, you know, why don't you go ahead and, and make, a, make a request that the majority, that at least the majority of the American Rescue Plan funds should go to, to, to facing this, to uh, repairing the disparities, the historic disparities in the South Side of Richmond and make them commit to a number. They about that life. They care about Southside. Let's see how they treat Southside with other people's money before we just assume they're going to do right by Southside with our own money. OK, so I want to play a clip of what I testified to. So we put we put forward a bill to say that 60 percent of the ARP fund should go to the historic they're paying the historic disparities um, in Southside. Um, and. I want you to hear uh, just what happens, okay? So let me get that clip fired up for y'all. And uh, I want to hear what y'all think about this when we think about revenue versus allocation. All right? Thank you, Madam Clerk. If we can now hold the public hearing. The committee will now hold a public hearing on item number five, resolution 2021-R040. Mr. Chair, we have one speaker signed up today. We have Mr. Alan Charles Chipman. Mr. Shipman, if you're on the line, you may begin your comment. Uh, greetings to the chair and members of the committee. Um, just as a note to the wording of the re resolution, if possible, I believe it should include and would be greatly aligned with the priorities and uh, infrastructure funding available from President Biden's forthcoming American Jobs Act as well. Uh, but I'm writing in support of my friend and fellow Reverend Councilman Jones to do as John the Baptist said, to make the crooked path straight, both morally and in this case, literally. The disparity in roads and infrastructure too often act as a symbol of how for far too long Richmond has played second fiddle to RVA. We have the opportunity to state with our treasury chest not only that Black Lives Matter, but as my friend Omari Al-Qaddafi says, the quality of Black Lives Matter life matters. As I saw the disparities in infrastructure and the flooding that occurred in the black and brown parts of Southside, it reminded me of the cry of civil rights advocates such as Jackie Robinson, who cried out, no more second class citizenship. Before we march to say black lives matter, we march for equal rights. Robinson said the right of every American to first class citizenship is the most important issue of our time. 
He said, I won't have it made until the most underprivileged African-American in Mississippi can live in equal dignity with anyone else in America. We cannot afford to have second and third class citizenship. Richmond and RVA will not have it made until equity and equality is achieved in Southside and our historically disinvested communities. We now have the chance to not only make equality a reality, but also equity reality where it counts. On this resolution today, we need not wait on an outside entity. Uh, thanks to President Biden and the American Rescue Plan Act, as well as the American Jobs Act, we will have money well sent to Richmond City Council to, as the White House says, uh, advance racial equity by providing better jobs and better transportation options to underserved communities. But it is up to us to make sure that money well sent is money well spent in the underserved, uh, uh, underserved communities of Richmond. Although the historic disinvestment in Southside precedes many of us, now in this decision today, it includes all of us. Today, we have the opportunity to write the history of tomorrow. I hope that that history reflects equal investment and equitable investment to make the crooked path straight. Dr. King said the budget is a moral document that reflects our priorities. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I say, let's say Black Lives Matter and let us say it with our treasury chest. Please vote yes on this resolution. Uh, and I think it would also be important to have that same allocation that if it is the will of the people by uh, referendum, that uh, the same should be uh, considered for the casino um, uh, revenues as well. Please vote yes on this resolution and thank you for your time. OK, so those were th that was the outline that I was giving people. Right. We talked earlier about the example of the nine people in the Susu. We, we were talking about the nine districts of Richmond. Right. And that now we got free money from the federal government, right? And out of money sent or revenue generated or money, new money generated, what was the willingness of city council to prioritize and allocate that money to help deal with the historic disparities that we've seen? And what we saw was a bunch of him and Han and in a in a in a in a, a lack of commitment to actually give a specific number. So when there was a pushback on trying to get a specific number, this is what Councilman Jones, and just to be clear, he supports the casino, okay? So I'm not trying to put him in a situation he hasn't said publicly, all right? But this is what he said about how Southside has been prioritized within the budget system of city council and why there are specific measures needed to fix the inequity because when the process is left alone by itself, right? This is, who the, re this is the body that the revenue goes to. When the decision is made simply by itself or as just the, just as the default setting or, or, or the status quo, Southside gets left out. So this is what he had to say, all right? So listen closely. Um, we, we just have to do that. I, I think we've already, to say we've started correctly is erroneous. For individuals to just go back and start picking projects, I believe that's the wrong thing to do. It just is. Because all we're doing is recreating the budget process. The same budget process that has proven to be uh, at a high level of inequity within our city. So that means if I can get five votes for this thing, and get five people to agree with me that this is a worthwhile project, regardless of whether it meets the muster to equity or anything of that nature, five votes wins, right? And so that, that, that's my concern. 
So that's why certain issues uh, within the CIP budget process still lay by the wayside. And it would have helped achieve equity within this past budget that we just, just passed. So I'm expected to trust the process that we will get to equity. And I would say we won't. If we don't have a target to say at least 60, we're going to be well below that. Because if we honestly did this the correct way, Madam Vice President, majority of the money would go to the south side region of the six, the ninth, the eighth, and the southernmost parts of the fifth. Then move towards Gilpin, Wickham, Hillside, and all those lumped in together. If we're if we were to do it based upon true need, if things were being done correctly. If not, I believe we're gonna see what we've always seen. Certain communities will get, everyone else will get a bone tossed its way and rationale will be given about why we should do this. Uh, but, you know, so, so, so from that standpoint, I, you know, I don't know if this will get the votes to even move out of committee, um, but there, there's something to be said about specificity. And we are, you know, right now we're saying, well, the city never lived up to the promises and that the city has divested. Now it's on us as a council. You know, we're, you know, we're here now. Uh, if not us, and I'm borrowing it, who, if not now, when? Uh, and that is a, a borrowed quote. But again, there are those in this, this city that don't care about it. They care about investment. And investment, as you said, Madam Vice President, you know this well because you've done this well for a long time. You, you know where, where the dollars are going to go. They're going to go to the where the dollars already are, the safe bet, let's continue to build there. While the rest of our neighborhoods, the rest of our city, literally lies underwater. And as a council, we've got to do something about that. Okay, and so... <laughs> Here's what Brother Jones is saying. When it comes to getting money to the South Side, if there isn't a specific target, if there isn't a specific named stated commitment, if there isn't a specific named stated uh, allocation, the way the city's been working and the way the city is going to continue to work is South Side's going to get left out and Scott's addition in the and the affluent parts of the city are going to be the ones extracting the wealth out of the SUSU that we call the city council budget. OK, so why is this important in the conversation about the casino? you got a casino that's going to be generating revenue that it says is going to be generating revenue. And it's it's advertising itself under the assumption that revenue for the city, right, revenue for the SUSU automatically equates to equitable allocation to the south side when there are people who represent that who've seen the process who went through the last budget process and saw south side get kicked to the curb yet again and here can't even get 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 city council to dedicate millions of dollars of federal money 
and saying that y'all are allocating the federal money, this new money, the same way y'all been allocating the city money. And so if the casino says we're new money, if there's not a stated target, if there's not a stated goal, there's not a stated number, then this is just going to go to funding whatever the status quo has been doing, which has not been Southside, which has been the white affluent areas of the city. So you got to slow your roll on on acting like the South Side is the cure for the, the casino is the cure for South Side. The cure for South Side is allocation. And yet we have another project that's going to be based in South Side, extracting wealth from South Side. I think the statistics say that 30, typically 30, at least 30 percent uh, of the money that comes is, is, is for the most poor in the most surrounding areas. So it's extracting wealth from the South Side with no dedication, no commitment, no community benefits agreement uh, and all these other type of things that could enforce making sure that allocation happens. And here's the other thing. If you listen to the tail end of my comments, I talked about that it, the same should be said of the revenue for the casino. The reason I said that is because there was a paper drafted by Dr. Jones, Councilman Jones, to actually state that a specific percentage of the revenues of the casino go towards Southside and it even didn't get a hearing in the subcommittee. So it's saying, yes, Southside and making that assumption and saying all this revenue can, right? This revenue can be used for these other types of things. Not this revenue will be used, right? But they're not doing a CBA. They're not even doing a resolution to say that as long as we're on council, we'll make sure that this is how this is allocated. So they got people gassed up over exploitation, over an assumption that rails against the way that the city acted historically and in the last budget process. And for people that don't understand, all that revenue is going to have to go through a budget process of allocation and the habits of allocation of the city have not been favored towards the south side so what's going to be different about this casino y'all that's the question that we have to say apparently the only difference is that it's going to be black people doing the extracting so it's going to be all right right we don't have to we don't have to worry about it right we don't need a CBA. We don't need we don't we don't need a community benefits agreement that can actually make sure the allocation is doing it. We don't need city council to 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 to, to, to make a resolve and, and, and at least a promise, even though it's non-binding to, to, to do this. And so if they don't have the energy to do something for Southside that's non-binding, imagine that low how low the energy is going to be when all this new revenue is coming in. OK, and so then we have to talk about exploitation because this is the other thing that people are talking about. Well, it's, it's black owned. Don't you support black businesses? And as I said, should I be excited about a. A black owned payday lending service, should I? Is the casino a tool of liberation? All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play for you all. My testimony on what I had to say about the casino. And then I'm going to go to some clips of some legendary leaders like Fannie Lou Hamer, like Angela Davis, Stokely Carmichael, and a discussion called the Black Roundtable uh, with some black leaders. And we have some people around ca talking about capitalism and exploitation that I think pertains to this. And then I'm going to go into the safeguards I've been requesting throughout the entire process that the exploitative industry of casinos is not willing to make. So 
let's line these up and think for yourself. All right. We'll be right back. The next speaker is Alan Charles Chipman. Uh, greetings, everyone. I hope you can hear me. Um, my name is Alan Charles Chipman. Um, so just uh, some concerns I have. Well, number one, I believe I believe in democratic processes where people with the highest impact should have the chances to have their voices heard. I believe in black ownership. I personally wish this was everything except the casino. I might have even driven the little urban one van that I've been seeing around here. But I believe casinos are harmful, regressive taxes that most impact the poor, and the research agrees. Uh, just like I wouldn't call a black-owned payday lender liberation, I can't call the week of Juneteenth a casino a tool of liberation. I believe it is worse the disaster and at best the distraction from the true racial inequity in our city. I believe if Southside was made priority one, like many white affluent areas of the city, they wouldn't need casino one. I certainly hope that's not what the mayor meant by one enrichment in the equity agenda. Uh, and for example, for some of the benefits, uh, my friends of R.S. Spinks points out that a promise of $15 an hour is next to meaningless because the General Assembly made $15 the law of the land, which would be in effect by the time the casino was built. By that time, every job would have to be $15 an hour. Um, and this is simply a promise to comply with the law. Um, I heard many say, don't make perfect the enemy of the good, but I say, don't make desperation the enemy of the just. Uh, casinos and essentially rig, are essentially rigged gaming and is not a just industry. Um, we can't make Southside last in infrastructure, last in vaccinations, last for a bank, last for a grocery store, last for street safety, but first for a casino that no one else wanted, but the campaign funders of the mayor and city council candidates. If the Southside was made priority one, they probably wouldn't need casino one. Uh, uh, don't believe me, look at the level of investment in the areas that rejected the casino and their experience in just last week's flooding. Dr. Jones spoke of this disparity tonight and how the budget is handled with the money that we already have. Uh, the only thing more abhorrent to say build it over there, despite knowing the harm casinos brings to communities, is perhaps to actually do it. Uh, no one said to build it over there when Publix built a grocery store five minutes away from another grocery store in Carytown. I believe the predatory industry of casino gambling um, uh, will not lift up the South Side uh, because we don't prioritize them with the money that we already have. So, again, if South Side was made priority one, like the rich affluent areas of the city, they wouldn't need casino one. Why? Because the other areas of the city don't have an allocation problem. If you have an allocation problem, doesn't quite matter how much revenue is coming into the city because it's not going to be allocated to you to meet the needs that you have. Okay. And so let's get into some of these talking points, right? Let's get into some of these pressures that people try to put you under, right? So one of the big ones they do is, well, don't you care about black business? Don't you care about black ownership? Don't you, don't you care about the largest minority operated contracting project in, in Virginia's history? Don't you care? Um, and one of the things I want to do as what I want to point out is I want to go back to a historical base here because cats try to act like you don't know your history. Cats want to act like um, 
you hate black people. Cats want to act like you ain't down with the cause. And how could you not be about black power? Because you're not about this black casino. As I said in my comments. Oh, so we're going to keep the same injury if it's if it's black payday lending. All right. So I want to go through to and invite you all into a little bit of a conversation that happened uh, called the Black Round Leadership Roundtable. Uh, this brought leaders all across um, the black community. Um, you had, uh, namely, uh, Stokely Carmichael or Kwame Torre, Fannie Lou Hamer, Angela Davis, uh, speaking with members of the Conference of Black Lawyers, uh, talking with city council members, speak, speaking with um, uh, people on different boards um, to really talk about where, how do black people deal uh, with the exploitation of capitalism, okay? So one of the first things we want to talk about when we're talking about ownership and we're talking about uh, all these businesses is that we have to talk about the classism and elitism that happens here, right? Uh, Fannie Lou Hamer here is asked a question of has the suffering that's happened and, and, and you know, after all the gains of the civil rights movement uh, under Nixon, you know, and the rollback of that, has this increased or, or, or decreased unity among black people? And it's interesting what she says. And we want to talk about this dynamic a little bit before we get into what uh, Brother Kwame and uh, Sister Angela Davis had to say. So listen to this as we think about classism uh, within black people. And, you know, as I think it was Charles Hammond Houston that said that NAACP was the National Association for the Advancement of Certain People because it was a black bourgeois class and, and people were often left out. This is why Maggie Walker wanted to have the penny savings bank saying we're going to start with uh, turning people's pennies into dollars uh, and not just say we're going to profit and forget these poor black people. But but what does it really mean to have operate class solidarity within blackness? OK. And who has a trend to break that class solidarity? So let's listen to what. Sister Fannie Lou Hamer had to say. Do you see uh, any trend there in terms of black people moving toward unity and moving away from unity? Uh, just generally, what is going on in your area of the country? Well, I, I do see, I do see more unity because uh, the power structures in the South are forcing us to have more unity. You know, there have been a class split with the black community. That's being moved because we are finding out whether you middle class or no class is no different. As long as we black, we in the same boat. And that's forcing us to be together. Uh, because, you know, we've seen what is happening in our schools. You know, like if a principal was a principal and was moved and become assistant principal, his job, if he's black, automatically if he become assistant principal his job automatically is to carry toilet tissue from one school to the other one and load up the bus so he's finding that it's no different in us and it's forcing us to get together and i think that the change will come because we have to there's nothing handed to us on a silver platter and we have to work together for a change in the south so this is interesting here so here she's describing a dynamic that talks about, you know, during the, the, the glories of the 
civil rights movement and all these things are getting built are getting signed and there's new opportunity and all these things that are kind of rising and rising that this class solidarity is broken we're typically rich black people kind of can leave the struggle and kind of forget about it they can kind of do their type of stuff and uh, so she gives this example of kind of the you know the difference between the 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 custodian and the principal and, and this concept of forced unity versus class solidarity within the black community, right? Uh, where she's saying you know the principal might have might have been feeling oh I'm up I'm up high and I'm doing all this other type of stuff, but then uh, when your school gets shut down. And you gotta uh, be now. You become an assistant principal because of the racism and hiring after black schools are gone and other things such as that. And now you're an assistant principal, and because you're black, it don't really matter what your class is because your class under the scope of whiteness is you black and you not white, and that ain't gonna change. So now you tear carrying toilet tissue like the custodian, and now under a forced unity, now you wanna understand and now because it affects you but as soon as things get better and it doesn't affect you anymore, then it's typically the rich elite black people quote-unquote elite black people that then begin to break class solidarity in order to get to the bag okay so when we think about this right when we think about what we've seen in richmond and we saw the protest and we saw you know um all you know a bunch of people who 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 um maybe were not as visible within the movement uh, but people move differently, so I'm be careful what I'm saying. But what I'm getting at is there was a heightened sense of the plight of black people living under a system because you got Donald Trump and Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon and all these racist behind stuff, Jeff Sessions, all these racist behind things that that it has this white supremacist uh, view that is forcing and uh, rolling back protections that black people got under the glory days of Obama, where some rich people forgot about poor black people. And then under Trump, they then have to adapt this forced unity because stuff's crazy. And you see George Floyd getting killed and, and, and all these people getting murdered and, 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 and police breeding up people. And you thinking, oh, my goodness, at any moment, despite my riches, this could be me. I got to be down for the cause. I got to be, you know, doing just things. And I got to be doing all these other types of things in this kind of forced unity. Um, uh, and and. Mm, I don't want to say performative solidarity because I don't know what people's intents are, but but it's this forced unity of, OK, now I'm down with the cause. But now we have Biden and things are different. And now I can go back to rolling out to get in the bag by exploiting the same poor black people. I was saying I was in solidarity with when I was down in the streets because uh, no matter how rich I get, I'm still going to be black in a racial caste system. And so this this fluctuation that you see. Right. And so under hard times, there's this forced unity. So people think, oh, they've been born again. They've got it. They get it. Now they got to because under the white system, they're, they're still they're still black. And so there's this there's this temporary temporary solidarity. Right. But then as things begin to get better and you get a different administration and things are up and soaring and roaring again. Right. Um, I think there's a, a book on this called A Day Late and the Dollar Short that talks about the class divide uh, in black America under the Obama uh, administration. But then when things get better and now Biden's here and we got Kamala and we got all these types of things, then people are back to 
the foolishness and 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 and, and the and the expo exploitation and the capitalism that kind of goes on. And so, as Dr. King talked about earlier, yes, people hate the prejudice and oh, Trump this. Oh, I hate I hate Trump's prejudice and I hate how we talked and I hate how we did all these other types of things. But they don't have that same frowning upon on the economic exploitation of racism. So you can hate the rhetoric of Trump and say, oh yeah, we down brother, it's, it's, it's solidarity, we, we all black out here, ain't we? But then uh, when things get better, then you go and adopt the, polit the, uh, the uh, not the prejudice of Trump, but the profit uh, motives and uh, attempts of Trump because Trump also had casinos, right? And so you see this fluctuation between forced unity versus true class solidarity. And so here we see some of the people who might have been down for the cause when it was the streets and it was Trump. And now that we're under greater measures, now they're adopting, they, though they hate the prejudice of Trump, they're adopting the profit plans and the profit motives of Trump by building casinos. So it's like, what are we talking about here? And so I want to share next why black hands at the hands of ex at, at doing the exploiting should not make us feel more comfortable about uh, these types of things. And I want to share an exchange uh, between someone from the National Business League and Angela Davis talking about exploitation and things such as this. All right. So stay tuned. We're going to give you the history. We're going to we going past and we're going present because I want you all to think differently and historically about what's being used in pushing this extractive measure of the casino. All right. We'll be right back. Even okay. Okay. I yield to the other statement, my other brother, <laughs> the business sector of our community. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I keep hearing here, and I think you'd have to agree, would be that the uh, that the capitalistic capitalistic system in America uh, is the system that we that we have to deal with, and the problem with it uh, is that uh, we don't have any blacks operating in it. I wonder if we would have the same kind of uh, feeling about capitalistic, the capitalistic system. If we were the capitalists and somebody else was sitting outside, I'm, 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 I think we would begin then. I would be against it. I think that, well, Stoker says he'd be against it, and uh, that's just my sister. Well, no, 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 no. Somebody is exploiting me. I don't care whether he's white or black or red or yellow. As long as he's doing the exploiting, there's something basically wrong. It's it's I'm, I'm not, I'm too black and you know, it's, white it's difficult, really, to say that, uh, uh, that, that people haven't been damaged by the, by the free enterprise system in this country. The, the failure of our cities is probably a direct result of the failure of the free enterprise system to do something about it. When, when big business begins to move out and leave the poor people to solve the problems of poor people, then you've got a failure. Wait a minute, you can't, I'm sorry, but, All right. but uh, you can't talk about free enterprise because there's no such thing as free enterprise. Capitalism okay. in this day and age is monopoly capitalism. It is controlled by multi-billion dollar firms, multinational firms. You know, it's controlled by the people like Rockefeller and Hughes and DuPont. Now, there's a real difference between those folks and, 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 the, and the black man or woman who decides to open up a grocery store on the corner. That is not capitalism. But Richard Nixon has been trying to convince us that all we have to do is to get a little grocery store on the corner, and then all of a sudden, we have black capitalism. <laughs> Somebody is exploiting me. I don't care whether he's white or black or red or yellow. As long as he's doing the exploiting, there's something basically wrong. And so here it is, right? The guy 
the capitalist, the business leader, rich elite person, says the quiet part out loud. Man, all this capitalism, man, I bet y'all feel different if 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 we was doing the exploiting and somebody else was outside. I'm sorry, what? Brother Stoney said, uh, nah, brother, I'd still be against exploitation. And Sister Angela Davis hitting it right on the head saying, I don't care if somebody is 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 white, yellow or black. If somebody's exploiting me, there's something fundamentally wrong with it. Uh, and this uh, and, and how much uh, and this just this illusion. Right. This is this is what Dr. King was 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 talking about that we read earlier in our our thing right we have deluded ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of protestant ethic of hard work and sacrifices capitalism was built on the exploitation of black slaves and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor both black and white both here and abroad and so here this tension that you have right where where angela davis saying man nixon got you thinking you're gonna be a black capitalist just because you got a business right when really it's 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 the level of uh, it's the level of monopoly, right? Uh, uh, and the allocation of rights and the, and the allocation of our exploited labor, right? And so, so it's, it's, it's this black rich elite person, much like many today, have the diagnosis wrong, right? Where, where the radical, you know, black people and poor people being exploited are saying we never got our proper allocation for the work and labor we put into the system. While the rich elite is saying, no, the problem is we never got to steer the method of exploitation. Right. And so it steers away from the conversation. This is why I said in my comments that 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 it is it is the casino is a distraction. Right. Because the allocation of that taxpayers, black taxpayers, poor black taxpayers have put into this system, put into this SUSU, put into this city council, that there's a disparity in the allocation that is favoring the white side of town. But instead of joining in true class solidarity and fixing that problem, you say, no, it's not the problem with allocation is that we never got to steer the method of exploitation. So come over here and steer and help us uh, b bring the reins of, 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 of running a new ex uh, running this exploitative industry and you can get a good job too if you help us exploit poor black people but again it never deals with the allocation problem and so i'm i, I said it the way that i said it but i'm gonna i'm gonna let brother stokely say it the way that he said it in his time and you let me know if we jive in here from the past to the present all right check it out that's what Richard Nixon says, and I disagree with him. I'm not interested in, in, in small business as a, in, 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 that con, in those constructs. Because, uh, and, it, and it's, it's amazing, when somebody says business and, and the person who's black is talking about it, immediately it conjures up a, a, a little corner drugstore or grocery store or something. I wonder why it doesn't conjure up General Motors for me. Uh, it's not possible for you. Well, I don't know whether it is or not. I'm, you know, I'm. If uh, I, I guess I'll quit working if you're convinced that that's true. But Maybe we I, I look at. I think that the real question is that people are not clear on capitalism <coughs> because uh, capitalism is a very vicious system. But what it does is it it embroideries its viciousness with all sorts of elusive terms. 
For example, many of us would support capitalism because we actually believe that in a capitalist system, there's a chance for us to get the same amount of money as Rockefeller gets because we're told that under capitalism, there is equality of opportunity. So that we feel that if this year we didn't make as much as a Rockefeller made, then we got to work a little bit harder and next year we're going to make it. But uh, if we carefully examine a capitalist system, we will see that it's based on exploitation because the viciousness of capitalism and the reason why once black people examined we can never be for it is that under a capitalist system, the fruits of those who labor are enjoyed by somebody else. That is, those who do the laboring, the fruits of their labor, they don't enjoy it. As a matter of fact, we could say under capitalism that the fruits of the labor of the toiling masses are enjoyed by those who do not labor. And again, as black people, we have clear examples of it. If we were to get the fruits of our labor from slavery, just from slavery, all we got to do is go to Nixon and say, hey, look, you give us the fruits of our labor from, from slavery and we forget the score. We would be the richest people in the country. Again, because under capitalism, the individual exploits the labor of the people. So... Here you see demonstrated in and in, in this the kind of these talking points the 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 business brother was trying to talk about was saying always tries to make it think like the people who are interested in joining in the tools of exploitation are the ones who are thinking too small, right? Well, y'all always think about small businesses. Why don't you think about General Motors? How why don't you think about the wealth of General Motors? is 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 uh tied in them getting the allocation of the wealth that should have went to us and if you feel really feeling froggy you really feeling brave why don't you use your black br brilliant mind to help in class solidarity fight for reparations but no you just want to fight for the reins of oppressive systems right as if we're the ones that's fighting too too slow uh, uh minds are too small right and so he's talking about capitalism being around exploitation Right. And so I love how he says uh, capitalism uh, embroiders its viciousness with elusive terms. Right. And so that's what I'm talking about with this whole casino thing, man, is the, 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 the math ain't mathing. Huh. We got people out here excited about revenue going to a system that continues to extract wealth from black and brown communities and black and brown houses and black and brown uh, wealth to give it to the whiter to the white people in the city and we thinking just more revenues into this racist system is going to mean allocation for the black and brown parts of the city but black and brown parts of the city are the people who are going to have to live with uh the consequences that all the other parts of the city and specifically the white parts of the city didn't want in theirs right and so you, then you just have, you know, the same type of thing. Oh, y'all thinking too small, man. Y'all thinking about mom and pop shops, brother. I'm thinking about General Motors. I'm trying to be the next whatever. And really how the next whatever you're trying to chase on is really where are benefiting off of the allocation uh, uh, and extraction of resources from black people to their white hands. This is what Dr. King talked about when he talks about, uh, you know, all of this. Because uh, remember, the first job, the first march was for jobs and freedom, jobs and freedom. Then he recognized jobs ain't going to catch up the 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 difference and disparity in the allocation of the federal government that gave land grants and all these other things to farmers that 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 built suburbs for white people and all these other types of things. So he uh, Dr. King upgraded his uh 
analysis and his advocacy from just talking about jobs to talking about justice and allocations and reparations. If you understand what Resurrection City was about, if you understand what Poor People's Campaign was about. So the same people that's caping for this casino, I want to invite y'all to the upgrade to the iOS update is deeper than jobs. Jobs is, is deeper than 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 jobs. The wealth disparities that we face is going to take more than just jobs, brother. It's going to take dealing with these systems that continue to uh, allocate uh, 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 inequitably, right? Man, we'll happily throw you a job, right? Or happily say, well, we're going we gonna to do a minimum wage job, even though that's going to be the law of the land by what 2026 i think so that's gonna be a standard job so you're gonna are you gonna do you gonna do 23 and by the way that was a living wage back when started at cats started asking for it in what like the early 2000s like living wage right now i think to afford to live in the city is what 21 an hour so i'm saying upgrade uh, uh let's beyond the 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 uh elusive terms that the the violence of exploitation uh, uh embroiders its viciousness right uh and then we're talking about revenues right when we saying they over saying helping you assume that all these things are happening, but when you read these interviews, right? I was reading an interview, um, uh, um, and you know, and, and also shout out to Senator Tim Kaine who voted no on the Richmond Casino. He he said that he believes there are better ways to enhance economic development in Richmond, right? So come on, brother. Um, so here's a couple of things that I want to bring up when we talk about these. We, when we're talking about um, when we're talking about these things, so there was an interview that Alfred Liggins did with Al Sharpton. Al Alfred Liggins is the person who's pushing this casino one, right? Uh, and and one of the things that he stated uh, about how the revenues could be spent very interesting the order that this brother lists, right? So he says it's a win for Richmond, which I'm very excited about, about the casinos being open and, and you know, the, the chance for a referendum, right? This is what Alfred Lincoln says. The revenues generated from it will go for, number one, public safety. That's police, y'all. Putting money into schools, all right? What are we getting priced out? Or are we going to be able to be anyways, affordable housing and a lot of the stories that the city desperately wants to have resources and funding for. Right. And again, and then Al Sharpton then talks about Cordish and why the other person shouldn't get it. Why we should we should we should let black people do the exploit, not the other types of people, because the Cordish people, they give to Donald Trump and his prejudice behind. But again, what I talked about, what Dr. King said earlier. Right. Many white Americans of goodwill have never connected bigotry with economic exploitation. They have deplored prejudice, but tolerated or ignored economic justice. So Albert Liggins is out here talking about we need casinos for number one, public safety so to give more money to police. And Al Sharpton is out here talking about, uh, yeah, well, we shouldn't give we shouldn't give the casino money to Cordish companies because they give their money to Donald Trump. Because orange man bad, as Lee Carter would say. <laughs> but we should adopt the casino model of exploitation that Trump used and just give it to black people. And somehow that's a formula for 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 liberation. Well, heck, why don't we open some 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 payday lenders, some black owned payday lenders? Huh? If, if it's just about if it's just about that. 
So again, revenue for who? And when we look at how we've typically have funded things and now that democrats are scared to even talk about touching police budgets they talk about running on increasing more budgets so we gonna have police station within the casino which i heard in the economic development meeting as well and then to use the gen and then generate the thing that no other part of the city wanted to put to fund over policing the people in that in that same neighborhood and we're going to but we're going to assume that the revenue is going to be allocated to who the city has refused to and has and has historically and presently in the last cycle historically um, um, and equitably funded. Come on, fam. Come on, fam. And so then we have to get into this whole it being. Uh, one of the talking points that I've heard a lot is, well, well, man, it's, it's just about what, what, what alcohol is bad. You going to tell us to stop, to stop serving restaurants because they serve liquor. So they not, someone can't have a restaurant because they serve liquor. Well, let me tell you a little something as someone who worked in underwriting for about a decade that wrote policies for restaurants and bars and liquor liability. The reason why restaurants can sell something as destructive as liquor, right? Which by myself, I don't drink, but they actually have to have limits and safeguards, meaning that you can't just keep giving somebody who's visibly drunk more and more and more and then have your op, your cop out be, well, they didn't tell me they were an alcoholic. They didn't tell me to put them on a list. So I gave them as much as they could drink and they went out and drove their car and killed somebody. You can't do that. You have to have limits. You have to have safeguards. And if that means taking a loss on your revenue because you can't sell the alcoholic uh, <laughs> nine drinks, but you can only sell them three, you have to take that loss of revenue in order to be able to operate. But when we look at the safeguards for the casino, which I've been saying through all of the meetings, what safeguards do you have for gambling addicts, right? Are we going to give a little money to counseling, right? We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to say if a if a gambling addict comes up and says hey guys i'm addicted don't let me in here i'll put the name on the list but you're not proactively as some of the best practices say putting a limit on how much someone can lose within a visit or within a day or within a week or within a month right because then that would knock your that would knock your revenue so i've asked them in, in, at least on three occasions in the beginning in the middle of the process and then just recently last month in the debate that they had with the rcdc um, look, y'all, why aren't y'all embracing the best practice of putting a limit on how much people can lose within a day? And if you have done that, how does that affect your revenue projections? Right. And if it's not part of that, why not? Well, we we chose not to do that. Uh, no, we haven't factored that into how this other type of thing. OK, so you want to be treated like. A liquor store you want to be treated like a restaurant that serves liquor but you don't want to adopt the safeguards that the other people have to do when they are based and when they're selling something that is part of a destructive industry get out of here with that man you want the exploitation without guardrails and then when somebody goes too far you can blame the addict for saying they didn't tell me that they were an addict which by the way if you work in addiction it's really hard to get someone to admit that they're an addict Right. And then to put the onus on that person 
who's typically when the, the kick is in, that logical party brain isn't even on, putting that on them versus saying, you know what, proactively, we know this is an exploitative industry. The, the least we can do is at least put up some safeguards for it. But you want to use the excuse and compare yourself to the liquor industry, but you don't want the safeguards that come with it. Okay? So, and then... <laughs> And then we got to get into the kicker that I uh, that I discovered recently, which I wasn't uh, which I, I didn't know before, because people are have been going around saying, oh, yes, the final black frontier. You know, this is this is what's really going to help us, because we finally have we finally have the first black owned casino in the nation and come to find out, y'all. They not, though. <laughs> they are not the first. Okay? So I was, I uh, saw a tweet by um, um, Christy Coleman, and I think she also commented uh, within something where the head of the NAACP was out here shaming people, trying to trying to low-key shame people for not supporting the casino, as if you don't, you know, if you're not down with black businesses, then you don't, then, then you know, if you report, don't support the casino you don't support black businesses and all this other type of stuff and trying to accuse somebody who wasn't black of of that the reason you oppose the casino is because you racist or because you think too small all the other type of things that the brother in these clips was talking about but anyways Christy Coleman slides in shout out to her um uh who's doing well I think she's what she's in Williamsburg now right okay keep on going anyways she comes in and she says hey RVA <laughs> <laughs> I know the Casino One folks would have you believe it will be the first black-owned casino. It is not. The late Don and Bella Barton of Detroit owned three casinos, Detroit, Vegas, and Gary. Uh, both died unexpectedly. And then she says, um, read more here. And so um, so she was uh, enlightening us of... Um, of these uh, facts around this and, and actually saying that she knew uh, some members of the family and that, you know, um, after their deaths that um, their, their daughter sold, sold the rights to it, but, but it expressed that she believes that the, the, the owners, the first owners who actually were the first owners of black casinos would not appreciate the way that uh, casino one is framing it. Right. Um, she says, I knew the Bartons and was a link with Bella, I think uh, their, their daughter, and said they wouldn't like the way this has been framed. The other question is, if majority black owned, what is the percentage share? 35%? 40%? What? Majority in these ventures may not mean 51%. And then you got to get into who else is at the table. Right? So, again... Revenue does not automatically equal allocation because there's a history of the budget process they had to go through of disproportionately um, funding the white sides of town over the ones with the most need in the black and brown areas where the where the casino was located. You got a sitting council member who's gone through these frustrating processes and seeing how they the budget process has inequitably underfunded historically and presently in the last budget cycle the, the, the target market. There are no, no promises, no resolutions, no targets, no community benefits agreements to mean that these would actually do this. You got 
Alfred Liggins on radio saying that, oh, we could give it to public safety, right? So this become just another mechanism of yet overfunding the police like we do in our city. It's not the first black-owned casino, right? Uh, it's not dealing with the allocation problem. It, it, it's it's uh, in the racial equity problem. It's just saying, well, more black people on the reins of exploitation, that's what's really going to get us free. And I don't think our freedom is found in exploiting other people. And then you get into... Um, What's this guy? Peninsula Pacific, right? Who is who? Um, I think well, they, they had what, do, do Colonial Downs. They do um, Rosies, all these other type of exploitative things, and they're a monopoly. And so this is a way of also extending the monopoly that they have on gambling in there. And what it, what is what it what does this Angela Davis say? It's not about the mom and pop shot. It's typically funded by these billionaire monopoly corporations. And so y'all. I've been here for a minute, okay? I'm not trying to take your whole day. But if any of y'all just keep trying to run up on me saying, why don't you support the casino? I say, look, I, I agree with Tim Kaine. Hey, but anyways, no. Here are the very things, right? This is a distraction from the allocation problem we have in the city. It's an exploit, it, it, it's an exploitative industry, right? It is, it is, it is capitalism yet again embroidering its viciousness with elusive terms and with and with oh look it's black people doing it now but it's just the angela davis said i don't care if you're black white yellow if you're exploiting me there's something fundamentally wrong with it and i agree with senator tim kane that there are better ways to develop our economy and there's no guarantee that this is going to benefit the people they're marketing it to there could be, but they won't do it. But again, why do we say one, ca one casino is actually one colony? It's because if you have more excitement for wealth creation and revenue than you do for allocation of that wealth, you have a colony. So, no, I don't want to see one colony set up in Southside in the black side of town, because all the white parts of town where the money is actually going to get allocated to didn't want to have a casino next to them. So they say, build it over there. And everybody says, oh, that's racist. And then they actually built it over there. Right. Said that we're going to build it over there. And so as you vote, as you go out. I just want you to think about these things. I want you to consider them when you hear the talking points and they say, oh, it's just like a liquor store. You say, well, how about you take the same regulations and safeguards that liquor stores have to have and watch them get silent? So don't get tricked by the revenue and what this can do. Look and listen to what the process has been. And instead of joining your voice on 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 getting black people to steer the reins of exploitation. Right. How about we unite not in just a forced unity, but in true class solidarity and start dealing with not just the revenue problem in our city, but the allocation problem in our city. Put your energy behind that. I think that's going to take us higher. As Dr. King upgraded from jobs to talking about the poor people's campaign, to talking about allocation, to talking about getting our rights and saying if you can, if you ain't got an allocation problem with white America and poor whites and, and, and poor white immigrants, then you sh ought not have an allocation problem for the black people 
who this city was was built by, who this nation was built by. And no, I'm not going to walk away from the table talking about I, I want to exploit like you do not nah, run me my check. But it's a little more radical to do that, isn't it? takes a little more skin on the game. It takes a lot more true solidarity to do that than just to say, why well, am I exploiting them over there? I mean, I'm I'm black. I can do it. This is what liberation gets. At. Upgrade your definition of liberation, please. Please. One casino is one college. This has been season three, episode two. One casino or one colony, the revenue versus allocation conundrum. You're listening to A Difference in Thought. Thank y'all for listening. That was my heavy, a lot to think about again. This point is to have you think differently and to think higher and to be more focused and targeted around what is the really the actions and the energy of true liberation we need to get behind. And y'all, it's not one casino. All right? Much love. I love you. I love you. That's why I'm here. Peace. Let me know what you think. You can um, email us at a difference in thought at gmail.com or you can find me on social media. All right. This is Charlie Ray. Love y'all. Peace. If we carefully examine a capitalist system, we will see that it's based on exploitation because the viciousness of capitalism and the reason why once black people examined, we can never be for it is that under a capitalist system, the fruits of those who labor are enjoyed by somebody else. Whoever is exploiting me, I don't care whether he's white or black or red or yellow. As long as he's doing the exploiting, there's something basically wrong. It's all I'm, I'm not. I'm too black.